0: Welcome to the Four Parents Podcast. I'm your host Ivy Lassiter, and I'm so glad you're here. Pop in your earbuds and multitask while we talk about all the parenting stuff, lessons learned, funny stories, and practical wisdom from normal people who've been there. Let's get started. On today's episode, I'm talking to Kathy and her daughter Mary Brantley. Kathy has raised three girls and is now grandmother to eleven grandchildren. She's a retired PE teacher and has deeply invested in Huntsville, Alabama. Her daughter, Mary Brantley, is a mom of three living in Atlanta. She's been one of my dearest friends ever since we were at Auburn together, and she is incredibly selfless, humble, and doesn't want attention, like, at all. Like, you know, she didn't really want any attention for this podcast. In fact, I individually texted a couple of our friends and asked how they would describe her. And everyone, without seeing the other's answer to that question, included the words humble or selfless. She just is. So I want to be clear. This is a story about how God is absolutely amazing and brings healing and hope to hurting people. Get ready. It's a great story.
1: So I got married in August of 2009 and moved to Atlanta. And my husband, Lee, and I joined a couple's small group soon after we moved. And we ended up reading the book Radical by David Platt as a group. And I also started working for this fire protection company. And the location was right off the interstate. And that will kind of come into play a little bit later. But it was really, it's a short walk, you know, from the interstate. I could, it was just like a block off from the interstate. So my mom and I had also just finished reading the book, Same Kind of Different as Me. Oh, it's such a good book. Yeah. Yes. So all of this, joining the small group, reading the book Radical, reading Same Kind of Different as Me, it all happened at some point in 2010. And it was that summer of 2010 that I began to notice this woman – holding a sign almost every day at this exit that I get off of to go to work. Okay. And I would also see her during my lunch break because I would always bring a sack lunch. And there was this um, driving range that was kind of right across the street from the exit ramp. Mm -hmm. I would lots of times just go park in that parking lot and eat my sack lunch. And I could see her standing at the exit ramp holding her sign. Yeah. And so, Okay, going back to these two books, Radical and Same Kind of Different as Me, they really probably are the two most impactful books that I've read to this day. Mm. It was it also I think had to do with the timing. There was just this time in my life, and I read these books, and it felt like the this unshakable calling out on my life in the, in this season of my life. Yeah. And so I just really felt like God used these books to prime me for what He was about to ask me to do. I just kind of remember being really eager and ready for whatever it was God was calling me to, even though I didn't know what it was. But I just knew that I wanted to hear His voice and I didn't want to miss that. Yeah, yeah. I really felt like I was proactively tr- like trying to tune in to what he would, wanted to tell me, and so I can remember laying in bed at night and praying for this woman who's holding her sign, and I can just remember calling out to God, like, I mean, I'll, I'm, I want to do something, but Lord, I don't even know what she needs. Yeah, and like, how do I even like help this lady? And he was, I just felt him very clearly. Just every time I would pray that, I just felt in my heart him saying you just need to go ask her. And that honestly felt very hard for me. Like, I just, I didn't want to go talk to a stranger. Yeah. Like I didn't know anything about her. Like, yeah. it's just, I didn't want to do it.
0: Well, and we're kind of taught like our whole lives, like don't, don't go up to scary people that you don't, you know, yes. they're, they're scary yes. and dangerous. So like there's like-
1: probably a reason that she's homeless, right? Yes. Like, <laughs> yes. And I just knew in my heart that if I Said that saying no was saying no to God. And it was like, that's just not a choice that I want to live with. Yeah. And so one day I'm in the parking lot eating my sack lunch and I look back and I see her. And it's like, I knew in that moment, this is it. You need to go talk to her. Yeah. I was so nervous. I mean, you know, I don't, I don't like talking to strangers. I don't like talking in public. But, anyways, I, yes. I was like, I've got to do this.
0: Yeah. Okay. Stop. So when you say you just knew, was it like an audible voice to you or something in your spirit that was just like a little voice in your head? That's like, do this, do this. Like, how would you describe that?
1: Yeah, definitely. Like in my spirit, in my head, it was kind of one of those things where it was like, you know, just she was always on my mind. I couldn't get her off of huh. my mind. Like that I feel like was my spirit just drawn to her. So I'm always kind of thinking about her, but I'm sitting in my car and I feel, feel like I, I'm kind of talking to myself. I'm like, okay, if I look back and she's there, I'm going to go. But if she's not, then, you know, I'm good. And I look back and she, of course she's there. And so like, okay, I, it's kind of like I made this deal with myself, but I feel like it was definitely my spirit was just drawn to her thinking about her and like his spirit was just prompting yeah. me to go. Oh. You know, kind of like Jonah. I feel like probably like, Jonah, go to Nineveh. It's like, no, I don't (laughs) want to go. And he's like, no, go. And so I think there's been times probably when he, you know, like he wanted probably me to talk to her way sooner. And I said, no. Anyway, so I go and I roll down my window and I think I give her a granola bar. And I just, I'm like, hey, can I ask you a question? And she says, sure. And so I said, what is it that you really need? Do you need food? Do you need clothes? Do you need a place to stay? And she's like, well, I kind of need it all. (laughs) But most of all, what I really need is your prayers. And I said, well, I drive by here every day and my husband and I have been praying for you for quite a while. And so we continue to talk for, I mean, it feels really long in that moment. I'm sure it wasn't that long. I mean, I'm at a stoplight at the exit ramp, but in that conversation, we exchange names, her name, Patricia Ann, but her friends call her Patty. She gets my husband's name. Um, I find out that she can't really eat granola bars because she doesn't really have any teeth, (laughs) but she, she told me that she... And eat subway sandwiches. And those were just down the street. So anyways, we, we, um, end our conversation and I'm like, I'm going to go get her a subway sandwich and bring it back to her. And so I'm on my way back and I see her walking along the sidewalk towards this gas station. That's kind of in between the exit ramp and my office. It's, you know, they're all very close to each other, but Anyways, so I, she's walking with this tall, built African-American man who I later learned his name is Black, or at least that's what everyone called him. Right. And um, my mom will kind of share more, a little bit more about him later. But um, I give her the sandwich, and then um, I returned to work, and I immediately call Lee. And, I mean, he – he, I had been kind of sharing you know, – like I said, I couldn't get this woman off my mind. So I had just kind of been sharing with him, like, you know, I'm praying for this lady. And so anyways, I call him. Cause I'm like, I really felt like our conversation. It just felt very profound to me. It was uh-huh. like, it was a simple conversation, but it was, I just immediately felt invested in this relationship from that small conversation. Yeah, I mean, it was, she was very easy to talk to. I felt like she had, there was a glimmer of faith in her that, you know, you could tell she like had lost a lot of hope, but there was still some hope there. If that makes sense.
0: Yeah. The fact that she asked you to pray, like, I just need you to pray. You're like, okay, you know? Yeah,
1: exactly. And honestly, she just felt like a normal person, which kind of took me by surprise, you know? And so anyways, I'm just sharing all of this with Lee. And then we hang up and I put my, f- turn my phone off, put it, or like just put it on silent and put it in my drawer. And about an hour later I look at it and I have all these missed calls from Lee. And so I call him back and he's like, Hey, can I call you in a minute? I'm here with Patty. Uh. <laughs> and he's never like met Pat. I'm like, Sure, yes, okay. And so, <laughs> like, what? Yeah. Um, so, anyways, he calls me back a little bit later and he's like, I just felt like I needed to come meet her and ask her if she wanted to come stay at our house. Uh-uh. And, and was so that was like, like him? Does that did that surprise you or <sighs> you know, yes and no, like Lee's a very he's um He's a very practical guy and he does, he, okay. He, he takes very calculated risks, I guess is the best way mm-hmm. to describe him. This felt a little uncalculated, but I think just, he's like such a man of faith Yeah, that it's like, it was a very calculated risk as a man of faith, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like it's like, yeah, it's kind of unlike him. He doesn't he, like in, in general, he's not like. You know, like, no, it's not like him. But I just think he knew, like, this is what God calls us to. It's very simple. Like, we're to help the widows and the poor and the orphans. This is what God calls us to. So, you know, I think in his mind, it was like, of course, Mm -hmm. like, I'm going to do this. Yeah. But I was very shocked. I was not in my head thinking that we were, I was just trying you know, to help provide some external needs. Like, I wasn't thinking we're going to invite her to her home.
0: Right. you
1: right. But, <laughs> yeah. But
0: you were like, I'll get you a sandwich. I wasn't yeah, thinking
1: exactly. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I was like, well, how did you, like, how did you find her? And so he was like, well, I saw this woman that kind of fit your description uh-uh. walking into the gas station. And so I just pull into the gas station and, I get out of my car and call out Patty and her back is to him. And so she just kind of raises a friendly hand in the air, like thinking it's one of her Friends. you know, buddies yeah. on the streets or something. And, yeah. and he's like, says her name again, Patty. And she turns around and she, he's like, hi, I'm Lee. And she goes, Mary's Lee. uh-huh, And cause she, I mean, I only introduced myself as Mary, not Mary Brantley, but it still was amazing to me. Like, I mean, this is incredible. I had this short conversation. I think I mentioned one time, you know, that my husband Lee and I have been praying for you and she knows in that moment, in that instant, like she just like runs to him, arms wide open and like embraces him. And then they like sit in his car and have this conversation. And that's like when he's like, Hey, like we would love to invite you into our house to stay for the night, you know, to have a good night's sleep. And so she has a cat and she's, she's like, I I can't leave my cat. I don't want to abandon my cat tonight. I don't have anyone who can watch him, but I'm very grateful for the offer. Maybe another time. And so unfortunately Lee was not going to offer for the cat. to come. So we decide another time. Um, but anyway, (laughs) we just, I just continued to pursue this friendship with her. And so I just, during my lunch break, I would go find Patty and, um, pick her up and, you know, get a subway sandwich or I'd bring food from home and we would just sit in my car and have lunch together and just talk. And, you know, she was very hesitant to share a lot of personal information, but you could also tell she was just really grateful to have a friend to talk yeah. to. yeah. And so very gradually, she began to share bits and pieces of her life. And one day she shared that she had a son close to my age who she hadn't seen since he was eight years old. And that, you could just tell, like, had broken her. Yeah. And so she didn't talk about it a lot. But she also shared that she used to be a model. And that she was on the cover of a 17 magazine in the 70s. And so I went home and I scoured <laughs> the internet. I mean, hours to, I mean, I'm searching like 1970. I mean, I didn't even know exactly which year right. it would be, you know, but I found it. Uh-uh. I found, I was like, oh my goodness, there, that is her. Like, I mean, no. she was much younger And, you know, what some would consider much more beautiful, but it was like, no doubt in my mind. I'm like, oh my goodness, she was on the cover of 17 magazine. No. Could not believe it. And so anyways, she did eventually come stay at our house and it was always just like. How long was this? How Okay. So mom, you could probably help me think of the timeline. I know it was the summer of 2010 that I started noticing her. I think it was probably around August, September when I first approached her. Yeah. I remember it being really hot. And, um, and then
2: you had the first weekend in December that was, and she had went with y'all to get a Christmas tree. You had invited her over Thanksgiving. But she got sick and didn't want to expose you. Yeah. And then it came that big rain and a flood, and you didn't see her for days. And, and I was didn't so worried. Her way. Uh-uh. I know.
1: So she lit, yeah, she just lived like from my office, the back of my office. I could have thrown a stone, like down into there's like these woods and a train track. And she just lived in like this plywood type box. Wow. Kind of. Um, and so when it yeah, it would when the weather was bad, I mean, because it wasn't made, it's not weatherproof, obviously. Right, right. So I would really worry about her. Right. And I went and see her maybe for a few days. Oh, I would just worry. So yeah, I guess it was in December, was the first night that she came and stayed with us. Yeah. I can remember one morning over breakfast, we're sitting at our dining table, and I kind of just bluntly asked her like, Hey, do, do you really want off the streets? Is that like something you want? And I was like, you know, either way you answer, like, don't worry. Like, we're not, we're not going anywhere. I'm, I'm, we're, we're here. We're your friends. That's not going to change. But I just kind of need to know, because at this point, we're like calling shelters. And we're just proactively trying to get her the help that she needs. And I just, I'm like, I haven't even asked you like, what, what do you want? And, and she's told me, she's like, yes, I really do. I want to get off the streets. And so we're like, okay, we're going to keep trying and doing what we can. And, but I was like growing so weary I mean we were 25 years old yeah not much real world experience I mean even thinking now like as a 35 year old I can think of so many things I just you just even as a being a mom you just know so much more about how to care for people for sure but like at 25 years old it was like I just I was just exhausted yeah It's Um, so big. It's so much. And you're
0: like, I don't even know what I'm supposed to do with this, you know? Yeah.
1: And I felt very alone because even though, like, our friends and our family were very supportive, it was like we were the ones on the front line. For sure. Yeah. um, It really kind of felt like Patty's whole world was on my shoulders. And Uh that was, like, a lot to carry for me. And so, for various reasons, we were hitting dead ends with the local shelters. And I mean, I was kind of like, I mean, Lee, should we like, do we just like unofficially adopt her and just like take care of her? I mean, which is like crazy. I just really didn't know what else to do. But then I really feel like everything changed. Andy Stanley gave a sermon on do for one what you wish you could do for everyone. And that just brought this like new perspective and a renewed hope for me. And very shortly before we actually heard that sermon, I got like the most miraculous phone call from my mom. And so this is kind of where I will let her share her part in the story and just kind of how God called her out to do for Patty what we wish we could do for everyone.
2: So, Mary Brantley had started sharing with me that she was friends with a homeless woman, and she told me about the the big guy out there, too. And um as a mother, I just was became very concerned and worried and started praying for Mary Brantley's safety. and um but I want to just say that this is could not have happened without God. It is. Orchestrated the whole thing by him. And it actually started a few years before when Patty's younger sister became a believer and started praying because she didn't know where Patty was. And she came to Atlanta and got the help of a pastor in Covington, Georgia, that works with the homeless to go with her and walk the streets of Atlanta to find her sister. And when she couldn't find her, she said, Lord, would you please send someone to find my sister and bring her to you? I'm sorry, I still get emotional. But anyway, I do believe that prayer was such a, an, an important part of this story. And if he asks us to do something, he is in every detail. And that's what I hope I can show is how God was there just orchestrating and and making the way when Mary Brantley and I were just clueless about what to do. And I do believe that God put in our hearts what hurts him, he made us hurt too. And his compassion is a gut-wrenching compassion. And so it all I can say is that God put those things because humanly, I just don't think it that it's possible. But when his spirit, when his compassion enters our life, it is so strong, it makes you want to be a part of doing something to rescue someone. You know, And, um, I, you know, God could have rescued her without us. But I believe that he puts us in his plan to share his glory. Because if he had rescued her all with no one else, being a part of it, then who's there to tell about his greatness? And so when I read that book, same kind of different as me, I read it in 2009. And I just said, kind of just kind of really serious, but not really knowing that it would actually happen is, you know, Lord, I would love to be a part of doing something like that for someone. And so Mary Brantley is Tell me about Patty, and every day she's with her, I ask her to call me after she leaves because I want to know you're okay. And I'm just praying, praying, praying for her safety. And that weekend that Patty's at her house, I am at a conference and Priscilla Shar is speaking. And Priscilla Schar, this was my turning moment. Priscilla Shar says, You know, we ask God to perform a miracle in our lives, but when he does, then we get afraid and we don't want it. And she said, if God speaks someone or something into your life, you need to act on it because he's got the victory. And he doesn't want people walking along beside you saying, oh, you need to be careful. You don't need to do that. And it's like he said to me, so, Kathy, you need to stop telling your daughter to be careful and you need to quit praying for her and start praying for this lady. And so it's actually a text that I sent Mary Brantley that said, Mary Brantley, God has spoken Patty to you. Therefore, he's got the victory and he wants me to help you. And she sent back um, something like, Thank you, Mom. I am so overwhelmed. And I actually entered that overwhelming experience with her the next weekend. But I found this verse in that Lamentations that just to me described. Patty's situation. In Lamentations 1 9, it says, Her filthiness clung to her skirts. She did not consider her future. Her fall was astounding. There was none to comfort her. And then in 3 16, it says, He has broken my teeth with gravel. He has trampled me in the dust. I have been deprived of peace. I have forgotten what prosperity is. And I thought, that's her. She, you know, her teeth were broken. Um, she had lost, I thought thought that she had pretty much lost all hope. Um, that was, was how I saw it. And so I love it that Mia Brantley saw a, a glimmer, but the second weekend, um, in December, I drove to Atlanta. I live in Alabama and I was teaching at the time. And so I was starting to take off a lot of days for this, but, um, we picked Patty up and brought her to Mary Brantley's house, and I heard her story. She's only two years younger than me, so I could really put myself in her place, and it broke my heart because I looked at someone that had lost all hope. She didn't know where her family was. She didn't know where her son was, and I'm going to tell you, Mary Brantley found them. Talk about how God just laid miracles before us And I'll in this story, so much of it is about his timing too. But we spent the weekend there. I spent the weekend and on Monday morning, I went to Walmart and got some supplies for got her a sleeping bag that was supposed to keep you warm in like 20 below because it was getting cold there in December in uh, Atlanta. And Mary Brantley and I walked out. We walked the railroad tracks and we walked back to where she lived. And I did say, "Me Brantley, you can never come back here by yourself. I mean, I really felt like because the the guy lived out there, too. And I knew he had a criminal record. I met him and he told me that he was running from the law from a murder he had committed upstate.
0: No. And
2: yes. Yes. And so we have a friend here in high school that works with the homeless. And he even said, Mia Brantley's not safe. But God told me she was. You just got to be careful. Yeah. And so she was um, in that she never went out there by herself. But while we were out there, I said, take pictures because I believe there's a story here. But anyway, um, I leave and I'm crying all the way back to Huntsville. And when I get home, I just say, God, I can't do this. If you're not in it, I got to know you're in this because I knew that nothing would really happen if he wasn't in it. Kathy, were you,
0: were you crying because you were so sad for Patty or was that? Oh,
2: yes. Just imagining that mostly that she had no hope.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
2: And, and then, and, and, I was trying to speak hope into her because she told me about her son that she hadn't seen in 13 years. And, and I just, I said, Patty, you know, our God is a God of relationships and he can restore your relationship to your son and to your siblings. And, you know, he can change your life. He can pull you out of this. And, you know, she felt so undeserving. Um, So um, anyway, I was just weeping for how she lived and for her lack of hope. And as a mother, for all the Christmases she had not spent with her son, all the birthdays that she had missed. I mean, it was just heartbreaking. And so in my Jesus calling, after I say, God, I got to know if you're in this, that day in my Jesus calling, it says, if you want to work with me, you have to accept my time frame. And then the verse that it gave was from Job and it said, I have my plans and they will not be thwarted. And so that was confirmation that, okay, God, it's all about your timing and and you've got a plan in this. And so um, Christmas comes, we see Patty Christmas Eve and try to get her to, you know, do Christmas with us and she won't leave. But um, anyway, then the day after Christmas, my husband and I go to the Holy Land. And the day after I get back, I'm headed to Atlanta, because there's a big snow, they have predicted it. And they were sure about this one. And so I asked Patty, if I could put her in a hotel, and she said yes. And the plan was to put her in for a week, and then she would come to hospital. And I, you know what, God gave me compassion for black. And so I said, black, uh, I really don't have enough money to put you in a hotel, but what can I do for you? And so he needed a heavier coat and he wanted a cell phone. And I do believe that later this that cell phone played an important part in the story. Oh, yeah. And he said, I have firewood and he had a tent and he said, I'll be fine. Well, every night I was able to call Patty at the hotel and just pray for her and just tell her about God's love. But I did not think that she was going, that she was interested in a shelter. Huh. And so I felt like that the demons were just, you know, fighting to keep her there. And I, I envisioned God's angels fighting them over her, you know, box in the woods. But my friend here in Huntsville shared with me that this guy that Patty would never leave as long as he was out there, because he gave me a book to read. And it explained how he was her perpetrator and also her savior, hmm. and that and she did depend on him. She would hold the sign, and he would take the money and buy them cigarettes and the their alcohol. And he was her eyes because she was legally blind, uh, and that's another story too. And um, so anyway, I began to pray too that God would just get him out of the picture. Because I really did feel like that her, first of all, she later shared with me, she had trust issues and she didn't know if her leaving the woods and coming with me to the mission that we have here in high school, if I would just abandon her there. Hmm. Because she had ended up in Atlanta by being abandoned by someone she thought was her friend. And so there was a lot of um, so much brokenness there. Yeah. That only God could heal someone of. And so after a week, Mary Brantley and Lee went and picked her up and took her to church with them and then back to their uh, townhouse. And I'm on my way. And Mary Brantley calls and said, Mom, I don't think she's going to come. And I said, well, I'm still coming. And when I got there, um, she was taking it out, but she got up and I said, Patty, will you come to Huntsville? And she said, no. And she's holding her stomach. And I said, Your stomach hurt? And she said, yes. And I said, but you don't want to go back to the woods, do you? And she said, no. And I said, Patty, if I put you in that hotel two more weeks, Mary Brantley's coming to high school, you come with her. Hmm. And she said, yes. But I knew that she probably wasn't. But during this time, Mary Brantley found her son on Facebook because he spells his name differently than how most people spell it. Yeah. And I said, me, Riley, I'm going to contact him. And she said, mom, you can't because, you know, Patty doesn't want him to know about her. I said, but I got to know how he feels about his mom. And so I did. I sent him a private message and I told him, you know, that I was friends with and uh, I'm looking for her family. And he sent back, oh, my God, that is my mother. I have not seen her in 13 years. Please call me. And I called him and he was ready to fly to Atlanta. And wow. I said, you can't. You cannot come. You have got to stay there and pray and let God work this process out. And so that's what he did. And I called him every week and kind of updated him on his mom, which she didn't know about. So anyway, so now he's entered the picture. Well, um, those two weeks go by and I'm praying, God, will you please either change black's life or get him out of the picture. Yeah. Okay, and real fast
0: just to clarify. So she wanted to stay in Atlanta mostly because
2: the connection with black. I think so. Yes, because he was he, he took care of her. It was it was sort of a he was a perpetrator and I won't go into that, but he also took care of right. her. Right. She had been in
1: some of the Atlanta shelters before. And okay. like my, I think that's why she didn't really want to go back. She, I mean, for various reasons, but so mom, I don't know if you're going to talk about, you know, you visited the shelter in Huntsville yeah. and like, it was just, again, like the, the Lord was like, this is where she needs to be. Right. Like we kind of, it was like, she just needs. And because she was like my mom's age, it's like, my mom has the, community in like Huntsville is a smaller town. Yes. There is a community that will embrace her there. Right. That in Atlanta, we just, it was just felt so much harder to try to like really support her the way that we felt like right. she needed. To and you didn't supportive. have
0: the history in Atlanta, like your mom had in Huntsville. Right. And, right. You know, yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah. So that's, we were kind of, I mean, she told like my mom went and visited this shelter and we, I remember being in my car and getting on the phone with Patty and letting her talk to my mom and being like, we found this great shelter. Like, she always was like, yes, like, I'm open to that. I'll come. And that was really where we felt like she needed to be. But it was like when the day came to like, all right, like, let's go. Yeah,
0: It's really hard to leave what you know
2: to go to
0: something that you don't know. Yeah. Yeah.
2: That was, she trusted that as awful as it was, that was her security. For
0: sure. Yeah. Yeah.
2: When I felt like she's not going to come as long as this guy's there. Right. Well, he got arrested and put in jail. And also at that time, I, and I think he was dealing drugs with the cell phone that I bought him. Uh -uh. I think, you know, he was hiding out in the woods and you get on a cell phone and yeah, he, so I'm pretty sure I looked it up and I think that was, you know, why he was arrested was dealing drugs. But I knew that in jail they had chaplains and food and warmth and I wasn't feeling too bad about him being there. But in Mark, you know, I'm really, you know, in the, the word just with this situation with Patty and um, I, you know, I don't know how many times i would heard the story of the uh, four friends who let their, the paralytic Mm -hmm. friend down through the roof. Oh yeah. Uh, for jesus to heal him and there in that verse it said and jesus looked at his friends and said your faith because of your faith i will heal him i went wow god will you rescue patty because i believe i yeah. have faith yeah and so i just that was my plea you know i for will you do it for me lord because honestly, I was like me, Brantley. I don't think I can stand. First of all, I can't keep taking off work, driving to Atlanta to check on her. And I just, the thought of just her life and the brokenness and not being with her son, and yet he's there and wanting to be with her, but she's too ashamed and embarrassed. And so um, I just, I wanted it so bad, you know, for God to restore her I mean he rescued her he restored her he redeemed her the whole the whole picture yeah um and there's a beautiful story of forgiveness in there with her son too um but anyway um in two weeks yes after he was put in jail she told me uh I was talking to her and called her in the hotel and she said I have to come to Huntsville because Black's been arrested and you know he was her eyes so Mary Brantley bought her to my house the, I think it was the last January weekend in January. My hairdresser met us that afternoon and cut and styled her hair. My dentist met us the next morning at his office on a Saturday morning and told her he could make her some teeth. And she smiled no. for the first time. And then um, a, about a couple weeks later, I got her in to see my optometrist who called me the next morning at work and said, Kathy, she's 85% blind from cataracts, but Dr. Mitchell, a surgeon in town is going to remove them at no charge. No. So yes, it was, she had uh, something on her thyroid that while she was in the shelter, a retired ear, nose and throat doctor got a colleague of his to remove at no cost. Uh, our hospital here works with the homeless shelter. I mean, it really is an incredible community. We're smaller, of course. And so um but we you know it's a great city with great resources. Um, but anyway, she entered the mission and God began to physically work on her. I think he does that sometimes. He starts with the physical and then he moves to the spiritual. Um, on um, Mother's Day, the day before Mother's Day, I called her son and I said, your mother wrote you a letter. Have you not gotten it yet? He said, well, I forgot to check my mail. I'll go tomorrow. And that was Mother's Day. And on Mother's Day, he read a letter from a mother he had not seen in 13 years. He wrote her back a letter of forgiveness, hope, love. I mean, it was beautiful. And Anyway, so they reconnected, and then that fall, some of us, um, she, so all my friends became her friends, and we started taking her to lunch and doing all the things that, you know, she never got to do, but did at one time in her life, Yeah, and um, she went to say, see him play in his last football game in the fall of 2011. In the summer of 2012, we flew her to Hawaii to sit to his wedding. And then the mission offered her a job. She is the Assistant Women's Ministry Director at our Down Rescue Mission. She is now a grandmother of three Uh -uh. daughters. I mean, it's just um, an incredible story that, yes, you know, it was overwhelming. But that verse that um, I claimed, that Mary Brantley claimed, Galatians 6, 9, let us not grow weary while doing good. For in due season, we shall reap if we do not lose heart. And so, um, you know, it's just I'm overwhelmed, feel privileged, everything that God would allow us to be a part of, of his story. Yeah. And there's one more verse that just to me, this is the verse that Patty has claimed for her. Jesus said this in the temple or when he was speaking, yeah, in the synagogue, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. She was all of those brokenhearted, held captive there in the woods. She was blind and she was oppressed. And he did all of that. And my takeaway from this whole experience is there is absolutely no one beyond the reach of God. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Mary, what did it mean for you, for your mom to like step in and walk with you in this?
1: I think in those moments when you are, it's kind of like, all you really want is your mom. Yeah. You kind of, you know what I mean? You're you so kind of overwhelmed. Yeah. Yeah. In your life where it feels like if anyone can fix this, it's my mom. Yes. You kind of, you know what I mean? Yes. And so for it to actually like, yeah, it just really, it meant a lot. Cause like, that's who I, if I could have picked anyone, you know, other than like, you know, other, like my husband was there, but we were just, it was kind of like we just really needed an adult. Like we were adults that yes. it didn't quite no, feel No, but there like are
0: times that. in your life I'm like, I need a, an adult. I know I'm yes. adults, but I need another And
1: adult. If, if there's one adult that I could choose, it would absolutely be my mom, yes. right? Yes. So yeah, it meant the world to, for it to actually be her that came yeah. along beside me.
0: And you were the right person, Kathy, being close to her age Having children yourself, you know, it was like you could really connect with that. Okay, Kathy, what was it like to watch your daughter be so faithful to what God was calling her to?
2: That is, I mean, for me, that is just an answer prayer for, you know, my girls, for my grandchildren now. I want them to have a heart for Him. And that is how it displays itself in a heart for Him. Is how we live life, and you live it for others, and you live it for the kingdom. And yeah, biggest blessing.
0: When my sister was graduating college, she felt led to go through a church planting program, which then led to a trip to a country where it wasn't safe to be a Christian at all, which then led to planting a church in Seattle, a place very far away from home. I remember my mom saying something like, I've prayed their entire lives that my girls would follow Jesus. And when that prayer is answered, it means that the things they feel called to may not always feel safe to me. Isn't that true? If we want our kids to follow Jesus, we have to be willing to accept where he might lead them. Mary Brantley felt led to step into someone's life That many would have said, hey, you're wasting your time and energy. There is no hope here. Or, hey, this is just too dangerous. But not Kathy. Because Mary Brantley has a mom who didn't just stay on the sidelines and cheer her daughter along in the race. (laughs) She jumped in the race and started running it with her. And did you notice how together they began seeing a lot more victory? I hope and pray that I'm a parent like that, that I'm willing to trust where God is leading my children, and that I can be a part of the victories He has in store. I hope you found something that you can relate to from today's conversation, and thanks for joining us. If you have any questions or just want more tips for parents, let me know at ilassiter I'd love to talk with you. See you next time on the Four Parents Podcast.